The following is a special edition Over Coffee podcast in honor of Maker Fair Orlando, which happens the weekend of November 9th at the Central Florida Fairgrounds and Expo Halls. If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. So I kind of tell people that 3D printers are kind of like kittens. You can't really have just one. It's not just something that's going to print technology or gears or a light switch, but we're showing more of the art that it can do. Andy Stetzinger is passionate about making things and exploring new creative ideas. His background includes considerable experience in podcasting, technology, and the use of software. He's also a 3D printing professional, creating all kinds of imaginative things with this relatively new technology. Andy is the marketing and outreach manager for Orlando-based DeltaMaker, which has reimagined the 3D printer as a desktop model with an open design. And Delta Maker is one of the main sponsors of Maker Fair Orlando, which will be coming up November 9th and 10th at the Central Florida Fairgrounds and Expo Hall. I had the opportunity to talk with Andy on site while Podcast Movement 2019 was happening in Orlando. We are recording live here from the Talk Shoe Pavilion at Podcast Movement 2019. Andy, you describe yourself on LinkedIn as curiously creative, which is a really fun way to describe anybody, I think. <laughs> Thank you. How did your journey begin as a maker? As a maker? Wow, that's a great question. I actually trace it back to when I was in third grade. I was living in Panama and I was, you know, in elementary school. And I decided I wanted to learn how to make a paper airplane. But not just any paper airplane. I wanted one that was going to be the jet that flew across the classroom. It was going to be the envy of everybody in the classroom. And I went home and I started trying to make this paper airplane and I was failing. I was failing left and right. And I said, well, you know what? When my dad gets home, he is going to make me the perfect paper airplane. So my dad came home. We were at that point in time living in Panama, Fort Clayton. My father was an army officer. And he comes home and I say, dad, tell him the whole story. I want to make the best paper airplane that the classroom's ever seen. And he says, great. He takes out a piece of paper and he proceeds to fold the most basic, rudimentary, boring paper airplane you have ever seen in your life. And he threw it and it went about a foot and fell. And I was distraught. And he said, well, what's the matter? I said, well, I wanted this paper airplane was going to fly. And and he's like, well, it does fly. I was like, but it's not. And he goes, then you need to improve on it. And so that was the catalyst for me to go, all right, if I want something, not only do I need to do it myself, but I really need to find the best way to do it myself. And I started just making stuff at that point in time and finding stuff that interested me and that would, yeah, at the time when I was younger was more of showing off and just showing people what I could do and the neat stuff about it. But later in life, it became something that if I needed something, I could just make it. Before we get to looking at Delta Maker and the Maker Fair, I have to know, did you make an incredible, awesome paper airplane flew all all the way across I actually did, yes. It was one of the ones that is circular, so it doesn't have wings at all. It's just basically a sphere, like a big, like looks like a flat donut. And you throw it kind of like you would throw a football. 
And it not only did it go across the classroom, but it kept going. So I made V, you know, and everybody was like super impressed. And it took me about three or four days to master how to make that thing. Now, you know, you can find patterns for that online anywhere, and they're fantastic. They're funny, you know, and I taught my son how to make just that one. <laughs> yeah. Any maker listening right now is saying, where do I find this? No, yeah, just, yeah, them. you just, um, I wouldn't, you know, just Google. Just Google. It's just Google. It's just, it's a round paper airplane. Google awesome round paper airplane. Awesome round You're paper probably going to find it. <laughs> Fast forward to today. Yeah. When did 3D printing come on your radar as a medium which you wanted to wear? Oh, this is fun too. I love these stories. So I was involved in the Hearthstone community. Hearthstone is an online game made by Blizzard. And I was running Hearthstone tournaments here in Orlando. And we would have tournaments between, you know, 50 and 100 people. We were one of the larger, what they called, fireside gatherings. And when you're running online tournaments and games, people want prizes. And I was coming out of pocket for a lot of my prizes. And while Blizzard did support us with packs where they would send us stuff to give out, that didn't come for every single fireside event that I had. And I was getting kind of tired of going that deep into my pocket to give somebody a cheap prize to take home. (laughs) And so I said, well, there's got to be a better way. And I said, well, maybe I can start 3D printing some trophies. And so I did some researching into 3D printers. And I found a 3D printer I thought would do the trick. And I ordered the 3D printer and it showed up the house. And I said, well, now what? And that is kind of led me into finding the 3D printer meetup groups and some other maker spaces here in Orlando. But it was, it drove a need. So I had a need and I did make some really awesome trophies for contestants in the tournament and some other international competitions that had friends that were running those knew I was making trophies. In fact, I made one that looked like the Stanley Cup that went up to Canada. That was interesting to get through customs. And um, <laughs> it was a Stanley Cup with a Hearthstone on top of it. It was pretty neat. And uh, I made some just variants of it, you know, some that lit up, some that were kind of neat, some that you know, glowed in the dark. I think that's right. Just had a lot of fun making these different trophies or characters from the game that the 3D models were available for. I love the idea of glow-in-the-dark trophies. I remember when I was a kid, glow-in-the-dark, anything was, wow, cool, oh, this yeah. is incredible. We have a, I did a, a light switch pattern for the house. So like it covers the light switches and they glow-in-the-dark because that's really when you need something to glow-in-the-dark when the lights are off. Instead of fumbling around looking for it on the wall, there it is. Exactly, before you bang into something <laughs> right. and maybe dislocate a foot or something. <laughs> I was looking online at Delta Maker. Wow, a desktop 3D printer? I don't know of that many desktop 3D printers. Yeah, there's a, it's a pretty good market for them. As far as the Deltas are concerned, there's only a handful of them. So the Deltas are the three-axis ones as opposed to the Cartesian models, which are the boxier ones. And Delta Maker's been around for about five years. They started as a successful Kickstarter campaign. I started by a couple engineers, software and hardware engineers, and then electronic electronical engineer. They started the company off and decided to kickstart, fund this thing. They were looking for one of them was looking for a project that he could successfully run on Kickstarter. Another person said, Well, I have a project that I'm looking for funding, and another person said, I'm looking for a project that I could engineer on. And they all got together and the Delta Maker was born. That was a successful Kickstart campaign, like I said, about five years ago. We have been selling these desktop 3D printers since then. We say desktop, they will fit on a desktop. The height-wise, since they are a Delta, we can extend as far as we want to on the Z-axis so we can go as high as we'd like to go. Our tallest one right now runs about 21 inches on the printed area. So when you look outside of it, we're about 25 to 30 inches tall. And some others that are, we have prototypes are even larger than that. So while, yeah, they can fit on the desktop and you see them all over in schools and the libraries in the Orange County area here in Florida, in other places, 
we're now looking at some larger ones too. So our largest one right now that we have is printing the radius of an R2-D2. So we took the 3D model of R2-D2 and we built the printer around it, which is kind of nice to be able to do as a 3D printing manufacturing company is to look at what you want to build and build a printer around that. So One of our frequent listeners made an InMove robot, which is a 3D printed robot. Yeah. If he hears this, he is going to be just, where, where do I get where one I of get these? To, yeah, DeltaMaker.com. <laughs> There's the plug. This one, the large one we have, which is our DeltaMaker 2 Revision 2, is not on the market yet. We're a couple months away. It's one of those things we... There's some cool improvements that we're doing, and we want to get those just kind of dialed in just right. Here's an update. As of November 2019, Andy says the new printer is now in Delta Maker's Beta 30 phase. You'll find information at deltamaker.com when you type in, all lowercase, deltamaker.com forward slash search question mark Q equals ERRF. That's a lot of numbers and info. Once again, here it is all lowercase, deltamaker.com, forward slash search, question mark Q equals E-R-R-F. One of the ones that we're super excited about that I can share is by nature, Delta style printing is a little faster than Cartesian. So we've already got that little bit of an edge. We have over doubled our print speed. So when I talk to somebody about printing an R2 dome, and if anybody's printed a full-size R2 dome on a single printer, they're talking five, six days of print time. We are down to right now about 60 hours. So we're really picking up on the time. We think we can cut that down a little bit more too. Yes, because I remember talking to this roboticist about just how long it took him to print his robot. And he had his family printing the robot at the same time (laughs) as he was working to print. It took forever. They really do. 3D printing is something that takes a lot of patience. And when you have a, a 3D printer that's printing something, You cannot use that 3D printer for anything else but what it's doing. So I kind of tell people that 3D printers are kind of like kittens. You can't really have just one. You end (laughs) up with like, because you get one printer, you go, okay, well, that print's going to take 14 hours. Now what do I do? And so you end up getting another 3D printer. So I have 10. We don't talk about that much. My wife's not happy, but it's okay. (laughs) However, when you have 10, I'm sure that you can print just about anything you want. Glow-in-the-dark trophies or anything for, let's say, podcasters. Yeah, and that's something I recommend when I talk to people who are in the podcasting world. When they say, hey, I want something unique for my show that I want to, you know, reward my listeners with. You say, well, do you have a logo? Do you have call letters? Do you have whatever, you know, your name? You can 3D print that. And you end up with a cool little tchotchke or something that's unique for your show at very low cost that you can award your listeners. And they love having the keychains that have your podcast name on it or just something they can hang from the shelf. We do microphone stands. I've done little cable hooks like they have here on the end of the microphone stand. Never buy these because they break. So I just 3D print them. So there's a lot of cool things for cable management that you can do with 3D printing that is just phenomenal. Let's do just a quick step through because a lot of our listeners are makers. A lot of our listeners are teachers. And of course, there are quite a few podcasters. What would be some of the mechanics? We want to make a tchotchke for the Over Coffee Show, for example. All right. How do well, we do that? So you have a logo because I'm looking at a logo on this cool, uh, your little acrylic LCD light up thing that you have. You're showing everybody the show. So I know that you've got at least a logo and a design. So I would take that logo and design in an SVG format. I would then convert that into an STL, which is just a 3D model. So once I have that in a 3D format, I then send that to a slicer. It slices it into what's called G-code. I send that to the 3D printer. It takes that line by line. G-code is nothing more than a series of coordinates. It's going to tell the printer where to move the hot end on the X and Y and the Z axis. 
how much filament to extrude, how much to retract, and how fast to move around. It's just a series of numbers and coordinates. And so it's going to then print your logo out, and you could kind of decide what you want to do with it, maybe a little ahead of time before we actually print in the design phase. You may say, hey, I want to take my logo, and I want to put it on a keychain. So I would design the keychain, maybe a little rectangular keychain with a hole on the side where I can put a little loop through. Or maybe I want it to be a laptop camera cover. I could print one of those and have, you know, over coffee on it as well. Just put the little words or your logo right across it. You could do that as well. There's so many neat creative things that you can do with a logo that as long as you can think of it in a three-dimensional aspect, you can do a 3D printing. And then, of course, having the time, because I would say if I was doing like a a little webcam cover for this, like we have a little computer in front of us that has one of the standard little cameras built into it, that would probably take five to 10 minutes to print. If I was doing something larger, like a mic flag, one of those triangles that would sit around the microphone, if I was doing something like that with your logo on it, we're probably talking about three hours or so. That's so. not bad at all. <laughs> That's amazing. We haven't said one word yet about the Maker Fair. Okay. Maker Fair Orlando. I understand you're one of the major sponsors. So what? Maker Fair Orlando is coming up here at the Central Florida Fairgrounds in Orlando. And it is just one of the largest on the Southeast Maker Fairs that we have. And a Maker Fair basically, for those who don't know, it is a large conglomeration of people who get together who make cool and interesting things. And they get together and they, they kind of show off what they make. They learn from each other while they're there. Some might be selling. Some might just be showing off. Some might be introducing people. Some might just be there to look at all the cool things. And we have everything at Orlando Maker Fair from obviously 3D printers. We'll have the Southern R2 Builders Club there. So you have a plethora of R2D2s running around. The 501st, which are the Stormtrooper guys and gals, they'll all be there. Darth Vader, I'm sure, will make an appearance. We have what's called Nerdy Derby, which people will make like a Pinewood Derby from the Boy Scout days. Well, they actually make their own little cars and race those together. We have the Power Racing Series, where people will build their own souped-up electric go-karts. These are like a go-karts for grown-up kids. And the rules, I mean, there's a lot of safety rules, and those are the important ones. Outside of the cool safety rules that are there, you get points for winning races. You get points for moxie. You can bribe the judges. It's it's great. It's a lot of fun. And it's this is one of our main attractions is the, the Power Racing Series. Outside of that, at Orlando Maker Fair, we have the largest unofficial gathering of battle bots, the combat robots. These guys, they're on, these guys and gals, the whole teams, they're on primetime now. Discovery Channel's got them. And outside of those major events, we are the largest non-major competitive events that's happening. Because of that, we're going to get a lot of a lot of robots are going to be there at Orlando Maker Fair this year. We are redesigning how we are actually going to handle the crowds for that. So we look at everything every year. We go back and we say, what do we do good? What do we do bad? And one of the things we could improve on from last year is how we handle the crowds around the combat robot arenas. So we have redesigned that entirely to give them their own wing. So we don't have people kind of cramming in and trying to see over each other. So we're making it much, much easier for people to see and enjoy that time. Dates and times on Maker Fair Orlando 2019 are Saturday and Sunday, November 9th and 10th. Hours, as currently listed on their website, are 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. both days, with a Robot Ruckus VIP fundraiser event happening Saturday evening the 9th from 6 to 8 p.m. and on Sunday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. We've also got a lot of confirmed people with Orlando Opera is going to be there. Who would have thought that the opera would show up at a Maker Fair? I would never. Well, they're making music. 
That's true. <laughs> so uh, the youth chorus is going to be there showing off their talents and skills. I know we're going to have, we have a lot of returning guests that come back every year, folks that 3D print chocolates. Oh, wow. And yeah, those are great. They'll be out there. I have a feeling we're going to have a couple Iron Man, at least one Iron Man, homegrown Iron Man suit is going to be there. The numbers still keep coming in. So of all the people who are registered to actually be there and exhibit. And I see those on a daily basis. And I, I'm just getting excited from seeing all these exhibits that are being approved. I'm like, oh, I want to see these guys now. Do we have to wait? <laughs> so, <laughs> It'll be like Christmas morning. It really is. It really is. Except I have to work it. <laughs> That's true. We didn't even have to work on Christmas no, morning. No, we used to have that day off. No, we I big kids <laughs> have that day off. What will Delta Maker be showing? Are you gonna th- you're not going to 3D print chocolate, or are you? We are not going to 3D print chocolate. We will be debuting, re-debuting our newest large printer, the one that's printing R2. In addition to actually having an R2 unit there that we are printing right now, we're about um, about a third of the way through it. In addition to having R2 there with the Southern R2 Builders Club, we will be right next to them, by the way, is what I've been told. But we will be doing some other artwork that we have been working on to kind of show off more of the artsy side of a 3D printer. So it's not just it's not just something that's going to print, you know, technology or gears or an R2D2 or a light switch or anything else. But we're showing more of the art that it can do. The website for Maker Fair Orlando is MakerFairOrlando.com. That's MakerFairOrlando.com. Or they can go to MakerEffects.org as well. That's our makerspace here in town. Maker Effects, a little easier to remember. And if you go to MakerEffects.org, we've got the links to there to all of the stuff that we're involved in. We are the home makerspace for Orlando Maker Fair. So it's going to be it's going to be great. I'd love to know a little bit more about Maker Effects, too. Sure. So Maker Effects is a 501c educational nonprofit makerspace. We are a subsidiary of the Maker Effect Foundation, which is actually the foundation that puts on Maker Fair. So we are the makerspace for the foundation and for the Maker Fair. We are a nice, small community. I say small. We're, we're teetering around about the 100-member level or so. We have a monthly fee, like mostly around, around this area, of about $50 a month. That gets anybody 24 hours, seven days a week access to the makerspace. We just recently almost doubled in our size. And I'm not going to be able to give you the square footage, but we're big. <laughs> we're not the largest in town, but we're also not the smallest in town. We focus a lot on education that we do there. So anything that we have in our makerspace, whether it be a laser cutter, a wood lathe, 3D printers, an embroidery machine, heat presses, vinyl cutters, whatever it is that we have there, we teach. Sewing machines. I said it's sergers and sewing machines. So whatever we have, we teach a class on and then some. So we'll teach Arduino classes, Raspberry Pi classes, anything that we have, anything that we can teach. I've taught podcasting classes there. Wow. Uh, just to make sure that people, you know, just if there's something I can can give or any of our members can give back, we do. Uh, that's one of the things that endeared me to the, the space is the the fact that we give back a lot. We have a very big and, and growing an active outreach program, whether we're going to schools to show off makerspaces in schools or help schools out with their makerspaces. How can people best support you as you give back? What can they do? Just get involved. It doesn't matter. And I'm not talking local. I'm talking when I say locally get involved. I mean, where you are at right now, right now, listening to the show, wherever you're at, get involved. Find out who your local makerspace is. And if you're blessed to have more than one of them, visit them all. Find out if they have days that they give tours, if they have open night, they have appointments, whatever it is. Find out how you can help them just by going. The biggest thing that, that I love on our makerspace is we have every Friday night, we have what we call open mate. 
We are open to the public from 5.30 to whenever the last person closes the doors. And people are free to come in. For the most part, they can use the equipment that we have. There's things that take time, so we kind of go, well, you're not going to be able to do that, but come on in, you know, and we'll see what we can do. But just getting involved and understanding what's going on and meeting the people and finding out what they're into, that's the biggest part. If I can shake somebody's hand and they tell me that, hey, they're really into making LED art, fantastic. Let me learn about that. And if it's something we don't have at the makerspace, let's get that. We just did a thing at our makerspace for a group in Orlando called the Slug Club. Now, the Slug Club, before you think it's a little creature current, is from <laughs> Harry Potter. So these are the folks in the Orlando area who cosplay as Harry Potter or the Harry Potter world. And they go to Harry Potter events. They go out to the theme park and they, they dress up. But they get in a little bit of trouble for doing that sometimes because they're too good. <laughs> they look better than the folks who Universal pays to dress up. So the Slug Club came out to our makerspace and we taught a wand making class. So we took a wood lathe, which spins wood at a very high rate, and then you use tools to cut and make your own wand. And we taught them how to do that. And it wasn't until about two weeks ago where I talked to one of our woodworkers out there, a guy's name's Red. And I was like, hey, Red, you're good with the wood, with the lathe tools and everything. You ever made a wand? He said, no, nah, I've never made a wand. I was like, well, here's this YouTube video. And a day later, he goes, here's my wand. I was like, that is it's great. It's beautiful. And then he was able to put on a, a, a clinic on him and how to make wands. Wow. And that fast, for us to move that fast, we're very flexible in our makerspace. And for us to move that fast and put on a class and put on an open make and have an entire meetup group come in and learn how to make wands. Now, they're not going to turn around right now and go out to, you know, go buy a $400 wood lathe and start making wands. But they might spend you know, time to get a membership at the makerspace and come make their wand and, you know, be coached and walk through that step in that process. Andy, as we are going to have to wrap up here, if people can only get one thing from you about innovation, creativity, and making a difference, what do you want them to take away from you as a maker? Don't stop. Failure isn't an option. Failure is an expectation. Go ahead and fail. Get it out of the way. Don't stop and just keep on making. Andy, thank you for your time today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. You and I have been listening to Andy Stetzinger, maker, podcaster, and marketing and outreach manager for Delta Maker 3D Printers in Orlando. If you're in Florida, you'll get a chance to meet Andy and to see some of his work, as well as what Delta Maker has come out with that's new and exciting, at Maker Fair Orlando when they come to town November 9th and 10th. They're going to be at the Central Florida Fairgrounds and Expo Hall, and you'll find more information on MakerFairOrlando.com. That's MakerFairOrlando.com. Meanwhile, take a look at South Orlando's MakerFX Makerspace. As Andy mentioned, they have open maker hours every Friday evening. You're welcome to come down and see what they're all about. Their website is makerfx.org. That's makerfx.org. And last but not least, take a look at the cool 3D printers Delta Maker has come out with on their website, deltamaker.com. That's deltamaker.com. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, Mavericks, M-A-V-E-R-I-X, twomavericks.com. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.